Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson. Joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. I'm doing this with my voice because it's Monday and we got to start a new week. What's up? Energizing. Trying my energized. best to manufacture what I don't have inside me. Everyone loves when I complain about it. It's they a really love stand. It. I'm I'm thrilled to be clear. I love it. Basketball's back. The team is five and one. We've got this six-game homestand. We're halfway through it. And like I said, the team is 5-1. and one. And If you look across the league right now, there are a lot of teams. Pretty much everyone is trying to figure things out right now. Chicago 3-4, and four, Philly 3-4, and four, Miami 2-5, and five, Dallas 3-3, three and three, Golden State 3-4, and four, the Clippers 2-4. and four. This is even ignoring the clear dumpster fires that the Lakers at 1-5 and five and the Nets at 1-5 and five currently are. So that's opened the door for some teams like Portland to be five and one, the Spurs to be five and two, and the Jazz to be five and two. I don't mean to lump the Suns in there at five and one because the Bucks are five and zero, oh, the Cavs are five and one, the Celtics are four and two. There are some really good teams that are still putting it together at the start of the season. But Kevin, I was at the game on Tuesday, as as I am for these home games, as you know. I was there, and. I really built up Tuesday and Friday. Friday was against the Pelicans. Friday did not deliver by default just because New Orleans had no Zion Williamson, Herb Jones, or Brandon Ingram, or Dyson Daniels. But Tuesday delivered, and it was very electric, and it was the way that I described it was excellent average basketball. And what I mean by that is both teams were turning the ball over, giving up free transition buckets, like off makes, things like that. But... They were both playing extremely hard, competing a ton, and it was a very electric game. And then I turned on Nets Bucks the next night. Oh, and it no. was like, oh my god! Like the the difference in play and the difference in just energy. It felt so, for lack of a better word, boring to watch compared to Tuesday. And then you just re- and it was kind of a reminder of how spoiled we were to get that game on Tuesday because this is how the start of the regular season normally is. I think, let me know what you think right now and what you're attributing the 5-1 and one start to right now. Just uh, why the Suns are different, why the Bucks are different, things like that. I, I just think that the Suns and the way they built their roster and the type of players that they got, and this is not a, the Suns are better than everyone else kind of stance, but they just really want to compete and really want to win every single night, and they've gotten these types of, and, and it's not just like a mentality that the coach has passed down. They find they found like-minded individuals, whereas the Clippers and the Warriors, I'm sure, are just like, whatever, we'll figure it out in March or April. Guess what? The Warriors did that last year, and they won a championship. So there are some teams that approach the regular season differently, and the Suns just have a different kind of mindset, and we're seeing the benefits of that mindset right now. Uh, you look across all the statistical categories we'll get into here in a second. They are just dominating in pretty much everything. I'm I'm not surprised. Uh, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm not surprised. I guess it goes back to the minutes allocations we saw in the first, what, three games that we last podcasted on about is they're, they care about the regular season and 
certainly there's no reason to fault them for that, even from like a long-term perspective, right? Because we've went into the season being like, oh man, if they if they screw around, like there are reasons this team could lose in the first round and you're going to lose more in the first round if you're a bottom four seed in the West or bottom six, I guess, and you have to do a play-in. But I, I think there's a lot of reasons to get out to a strong start, even if you know who you are, even if you want to like be where you were at the end of last regular season but yeah I mean I I think it's style too and it's a style that can get by when yes the Pelicans are missing a bunch of dudes Chris Paul was not on Devin Booker was not even on in that game bench just took over their style and to me that's the biggest takeaway still is that yeah there are new faces on that bench unit but they play the same way it's the same way as last year and the year before that and that's where you look at this and you say okay like we're we're here with this team they still have all the same questions to answer but i think they've kind of already gotten to the point where they're not done yet and i i I don't know if i have to say that out loud because we've probably been saying that but they're gonna be having a say in the postseason when it starts yeah the way let me know what you think the way that i phrased it is when we did our uh round table thing on the site with the hosts and everything answering questions the way that i put it is i don't think they're going to make the western conference finals but i want to see how it progresses over the course of the regular season how much player X and player Y looks, how the bench looks, obviously, but then up upper scale looking at how Chris looks, how Mikel looks, how Cam Johnson looks, and, and so on. I left it open for the chance of changing my mind at some points in the regular season. So, and, and most of the time, I don't kind of say that. I kind of have it locked in. Like, I had it locked in that they were the best team in the West last year and that they were going to make the finals. But this year, I, I, I'm not quite sure. But if I had to guess, which is what I did, I, I don't think they're going to make the Western Conference finals. But I just thought there was room for them to grow and and show different layers and it was really interesting to hear Monty say last night when I asked him about Mikel being used as a screener more and like in short role and stuff he just said I'm I'm gonna that it's taking more of a risk is I think how he phrased it and then he just said like that's on me like I need to be taking more risks and that's yeah. something that you and I have been talking about a lot the last two years whereas you need to treat the regular you can still do this you can still win 60 yeah. plus games play Chris Paul more minutes than you should like it you know, that that just is what it is at this point, I guess. I, I think in the same ways we've talked about a lot of different conversations around this team the last six years, it is what it is. And Chris Paul is just going to play 30 plus minutes this year. It's it's going to happen. But to that point, you can still try different wrinkles. You can still do different things. You can still let those guys bring the ball up or more so use them in different ways. And, and that's what they're doing. So that that's how I always kind of, and that's how we talked about the team. And where were you at in terms of regular season finish? Because I was, I was the bold one proclaiming they're going to win the most games in the West still, and I think the league is what is what I said. Were, I you, were you there? I don't know if I was ever there at all, but I was. I've definitely been in like they're going to get home court in the first round, um, and and I, be like being like the 52, 50s, 50 wins. Yeah. Like there's going to be four teams that win fifty plus games. They'll be one of them. They'll have fifty and two three other teams whatever yeah that kind of thing and yeah that's where this gets really complicated because i don't think 52 wins to 64 wins is even all that different like they did awesome last year they just had hardly any slip-ups you're gonna have more slip-ups this year i think just that's just how basketball goes but i think the 
comment you said about risks is the most interesting thing because first it happens on the basketball court where the coaches, the players have to take risks. We went into the pre, um, in the preseason, we were talking about like, does Mikel, do Mikel and Cam like kind of expand their offensive games? Um, how long do they stick and commit to letting them do that? But yeah, it, it's on Monty to present risks and put his players in positions to like grow. And then if they don't do it enough, and even if they do, let's say they're on pace for 64 wins again and Mikel's like running pick and rolls like five times a game or something. Let's just say that happens. Then does James Jones say, I don't have to take more risks and not be very aggressive at the trade deadline? Because to me, that's the biggest question is when you keep getting all this regular season success, at which point do you say, yeah, we got to we got to take more risks in roster moves and maybe bring in someone who doesn't exactly fit this like perfect regular season roster, but can maybe give us something else. So um, we're, we're really, that's far down the road from now. Um, but I think that's where that comment from Monty comes from kind of. Yeah. We wanted to start here just because the conversation around the team for two weeks has been ding dong. The witch is not dead. And we never said the witch was dead, ever. We just like, said the witch might be dead, like, if you keep losing and not reaching the finals. Which, and there are like, a lot of signs the that the witch could be dying a lot sooner than we expected it to. Uh, but for now, all, all good. And a huge part of that and where we should really focus in terms of looking inside the games and performances has been the bench. The net ratings for this team are crazy. They're top five in offensive and defensive efficiency, of course. But when you dive into... The player ratings, here are the player net ratings. Jock Landale is at 22.7 through six games. Landry Shamit in his fours at 20.3. Devin Booker, 16.7. Cam Johnson, 15.8. Cam Payne, 15.6. Mikel Bridges, 14.3. Chris Paul, 11.2. Damian Lee, 9.7. DeAndre Ayton, who we should say left ankle sprain, he's going to be reevaluated in a week. This is, of course, the game tomorrow against Minnesota is a really interesting one just to see how they fare without him because of the size that they present. Biz at a, at a 4.7, and then Torrey Craig, uh, weirdly enough, is at a minus 1.6, which is why you can't entirely look at these things because if you solely use net rating for a player to dictate if it had been good or bad, everyone would agree that Torrey Craig has been really good to start the year, but yet the numbers don't say so for whatever reason. The thing that jumps out to me is kind of the identity that these two teams have had and you and I talked about how with Cam Johnson in the starting lineup the offensive numbers could just really be insane defense the, hasn't fallen off the offensive ratings uh 120 plus for Booker Johnson and Bridges and Chris Paul's at 119.9 so the identity of that group has been offense while you still mentioned that the defense has dropped off and that's been my biggest team takeaway through six games just for the team as a whole has been the defense has been pretty great without Jay. I thought it had a chance to be, but I just wasn't quite, again, wasn't sure. And I am sure. But the interesting thing here, Kevin, is the bench has, has a defensive identity right now. Defensive ratings, Landale, 93.7. Shamit, 89. Campaign, 96.6. Damian Lee, 93.5. Those are... Those would lead the league by like six, seven, eight, nine points. Um, those aren't going to hold, of course. These are extremes. We're going to see each of those numbers go up or down by like seven to 11 points probably throughout the course of the regular season. But I even noticed it 
last night when they played Houston, which was a fairly uneventful game. We're not going to go game by game as much. Maybe we'll touch on stuff from Golden State, but New Orleans was kind of hum-ho, and so was the Houston win. But I was kind of waiting for the stretch where the Suns were really going to lock in, and Houston responded to it well and kept the game going. But if there was one in the third quarter, it was from the bench defensively. And I just think that Shamit, Lee, especially with the way campaign is defending this year, and then Torrey Craig, and then it turns out Jock Landale is a plus NBA defender. Wow. I would argue they have five plus defenders off that bench. And if you look through this team as a whole, is there someone who isn't at least a good defender on this team? Would you argue Chris Paul at this point in his career with how the games have gone? I, I, I wouldn't go that far. I would still give I him. I mean, you, he takes, he steals a couple possessions from the weak side, and then that that's kind of evening it I'll, out. I'll run through the list. So are they a, an above-average defender? That's what I'm saying. So they're not average or worse. Jock Landale. Uh, average. You would worst say average? Case, yeah. Okay. Shame it average but i would argue above okay booker above average cam johnson average yeah campaign might be above he's he's been above he's been above this year and if it holds it's yeah which uh, i don't know where that kind of dropped off last year it was really weird but it was just like defensively he was making mistakes and i was like you were just do- it looked like you had this down perfectly two years ago so yeah. to, to the whole season he had Mikel Bridges yeah uh Chris Paul average to well he makes up for it all Lee good effort average I would go average to above average depending yeah. on the night John Drayden really above really good. average biz probably above Tory Craig above so 75% of their roster is above average defenders and none or their rotation and none of them uh, are who is bad bl- like like who is a bad defender. I think we I think we overlooked to be fair Kevin, I would say we are surprised by Landale, Payne Shamit. and we didn't see Lee yet. I actually wasn't surprised on Shamit. I guess sure. like before last year, yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, That's heading into the year this year though. No. But I I think we kind of overlooked this about the team and the bench as a whole is that the bench could be Hey, five good defenders, and if campaigns doing his stuff, and Landry Shamit is as Monty Williams described it. Just it was funny because Monty was asked about Shamit, and it was one of those things where the tone that he was kind of giving was one of those things where, like, look, I could say that he's being more aggressive, or he's taking a shot more, or he, he's like he's just playing free, yeah. just playing free basketball. You can, and I tweeted this last night. It is clear when you watch him; he's just not thinking at all. And so when him and Payne are playing like that, and with the way the second unit defends, they're going to be really good this year. The bench is going to be really good this year. Again, it is completely contingent on Payne and Shamit. <laughs> I think the defense will stick no matter what. It'll be interesting to see. I'm not smart enough about basketball to know what the adjustments are for Jock Landale, but get ready, Jock Landale. The adjustments are yeah. coming now. Everyone now knows you. You're going to be on the scouting report like campaign was last year. Now you're on it. Uh, but man, uh, Damian Lee has been impressive. We talked about him last episode. I, I just think the whole bench is a whole Tories back to Tory from two years ago. As a lot of people have said, uh, they look great. Yeah. I, I think the, the being sure with Payne and Shamit on the offensive end, and, and that I'm sure it translates, especially when you're in the, one of those bench roles where like one mistake compounds because you're out soon. Chris Paul's coming back in. Devin Booker's coming back in. Um, those guys just look sharp 
on both ends and it's shot selection it's just being like okay i'm gonna do my step back for campaign and everything's going even the stuff going to the rim where last year is just like he's just missing a lot of these that aren't they're tough shots but they're just misses um he just looks really comfortable i guess and more back to himself from two years ago and like we've talked about that changes this whole team and it changes the whole team when Shamit's just catching and shooting and and when he's working off the dribble and looking comfortable doing that um but yeah i i think we shouldn't not mention that the cam johnson loss and finding also tory craig like tory craig last year was like yeah sketchy like a little wild on the offense um he's been shooting well i don't know the numbers 64 percent from the field 46 from three yeah and so when you combine all of that and you lose Cam Johnson out of that unit, by the way, the the starters net ratings among 20 groups that have played like 50 or more minutes together, they're top in the league. Um, and I think they're number two on defense of those teams. So, so I looked up I looked up last night because DeAndre Ayton was out last night. I just wanted the most updated numbers for the starters. So I yeah. just did the four unit of uh four man unit of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson. Offensive rating was one thirty three and then the defensive rating was like one oh two, I wanna say. And then that unit had hundred and eighteen minutes together. I looked through for every other team that, or every other uh, team in the league that had at least a hundred minutes of a four-man unit, and it was like fifty to seventy-five of them, there wasn't even another net rating that hit like the twenties. So they they've been like far and away the best group so far to start the year. And that's is, without Aiden, right? That's so without Aiden. without Aiden. And then with Aiden, the numbers are still like twenty, twenty-five, thirty. The net rating is something I like think that. It's twenty-eight, yeah, five, yeah. They've been awesome. Uh, Looking at like the numbers as a whole, I think things to kind of keep an eye on is offensively what happens when shots start to not fall as as much for guys because guys are having Devin Booker shooting fifty three percent from the field six games in, yeah. Mikel's at sixty three. Um, Jock Landell, interestingly enough, uh, is at fifty. I, I would be interested to see what his percentage is on twos. I don't have that in front of me right now, but he's at fifty, and then he's at thirteen. For, for threes right now he was a guy who shot a, a lot overseas and then he came to san antonio kind of did it occasionally so he's shooting 66.7 percent on his twos so that's fine it's just the threes are gonna have to start to fall for him which that'll be a when do you cut bait situation you don't right now obviously you want him to keep shooting and not let six games dictate or even 10 or 20 uh but kind of looking around at everyone else tory craig i, I mentioned as well I predicted last episode that we were going to see mid-range assassin game take over Chris Paul in one of these three games. We did not. He's shooting 35% from the field, uh, 24 from three. I made the comparison early in words after the third game, I want to say. I was writing about how like he has slow starts before this is fine. I'm holding that stance, but... The numbers have never been this low before. He's averaging nine points per game in six games. And I don't think I want to say off the top of my head that he hasn't even hit 20 yet this year in a game. And it just doesn't just I, I don't really know how else to put it. But these are his point totals: six, 10, seven, 16, seven and 10. And point one, 
the Houston game, that is a classic Chris Paul. I'm going to go on like a nine to create a nine two run on my own for three minutes. And then this game's going to be over in the late third quarter. He's done that for this team for two years in a row. Cause I remember there were games in like Charlotte and Memphis randomly where I saw him do it. And I was like, Oh my, what, does anyone just realize what he did? Like he just ended the game basically a quarter early because he, he knows he can do that. Or I, I don't know exactly what it is, but he did that a ton last year as well. It was a huge part of them winning 64 games because yes, they were incredible in clutch time and he did a lot of it in clutch time. And so did Booker, but there are 12 to 15 wins. They probably had last year, like that Houston game where they're playing against a team. They're way better than that night. And then they just put it away before it could even get dicey in the end, because there are some dicey games they played in the fourth quarter too, despite the clutch time numbers. He hasn't been able to be that guy yet. I, I, I just get the sense that it's more him not pressing to look for it yeah. than him physically not being able to do it anymore. And I know that is that is a subjective thing because a lot of people are watching it and saying, Father Time, he's washed, all this kind of stuff. He, he's not. I don't think he, you can say he's washed at all. I think that's more objective. But I do think you can argue, is it physical limitations right now that are more so not allowing him to get to his mid-range spots or... Is it mindset? And I, I say it's more mindset because he, sh- he, hasn't he shoots. Tried. Well, he hasn't tried so. one and two. He can shoot over any contest. People don't block his shot. Have you ever noticed how the six foot point guard never gets a shot blocked? Yeah. Like ever? <laughs> it, it's because he shoots at that angle and he fades. And yeah, maybe it's just not the time to press him for that. I, I don't know. But we have to, we're going to keep mentioning it every episode until it comes back because. Once it comes back, it'll be like, okay, there it is. They're good. But, but he, he if they has, don't have that, they can't even win in the first round, I don't think. like they, they need that guy. He has done it like a play where yeah, I think that's where I'm like, oh, he, he wanted to there. He got to his spot. He got the shot off. It went in, and he's, he's hit a couple of those. I honestly can't even I, – I looked at the shot chart, I guess. I think it was – was he one for seven against the Pelicans or Golden State? And it was a lot of paint shots. It wasn't even the mid-range stuff. New Orleans. Yeah. So to me, until I see, oh, he's trying to do the takeover thing and it's just not working, um, we'll just leave it be for it being a conscious decision. But again, I, I think that's a good thing. Like, I don't... They went one and three to start last year, and then he started clicking into gear, and I don't think they should want him to do that because I think that's the whole big picture, save his legs. And so he's turned that part of his brain off maybe. I don't know. But uh, I wouldn't be worried about it because he's still doing... I, I Is this mean to keep saying like the Ricky Rubio stuff that Ricky Rubio did when he was part of this team? No, because I mean, we hadn't compliment. seen a point guard before. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 29 games last year, he had five field goals or less. He's had five field goals or less in every game this year. So it's it's early, still very, very early to uh, start proclaiming things. Yeah. When has that stopped the Internet before Kevin Zerman? It never will. We just proclaim that they're not washed as a team though, until so, the yeah. Internet doesn't exist because Elon Musk bought that oh. too, and then it's over. I, I would up like for... Twitter. I'm one of the few people. I'll be on Twitter.com till the end. I did not think it could come this soon, but hey, we might be there, brother. I signed up for Jack Dorsey's. What I don't even understand most of these things, but he's starting up a new thing. 
Oh, he is? Yeah. I was thinking, like, where are we going to go when it's Because we got to go somewhere. I, I don't know how to technically explain it, but it's like a beta, and he'll reach out to me when he's ready for me to join. But I'm I'm preparing for this post-Twitter world, and I'm afraid of where I'm going to put my stupid I was stupid wondering, like, how, how are they going to be Facebook? Like, what's going to happen? And I'm getting my answer <laughs> right now in real time. It's crazy. Just a couple of numbers to throw at you guys looking at, hey, this team is awesome so far. They are third in assist percentage. They are first in assist to turnover ratio. It is 2.23. Here's some fun ones, Kevin, and one you can read about on ArizonaSports.com. They are ninth in offensive rebounding percentage. Whoa. Uh, They never did that before. And Monty Williams had joked for two years how uh, associate head coach Kevin Young had been bugging him about this over and over again, being like, hey, we should send another guy. We should send another guy. Because if you think about it, five on five basketball, the two guys, the two centers go grab the basketball. But what happens if the Suns have Cam Johnson or Mikel Bridges from the corner go get the rebound and he doesn't get it? Now it's all of a sudden a four on three break and so on. New Orleans, Houston was doing that like crazy last night. Like they were sending two or three guys all the time. They're one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the league right now too. Uh, But they're sending the guys and their transition defense is holding up really well, which is really cool for them. They are fourth in rebounding percentage. And I kind of looked at the team to see who was doing more of it for them to be in this position. Mikel Bridges is at 5.8 rebounds. Previous career high is like four, 4.1. Something like that. Jock Landale's grabbing 5.3. Corey. That's expected. Classic. Uh, DeAndre's actually only at 8 a game right now, and those numbers are going to go way up for him. But yeah, Torrey's grabbing 3.5. Cam Johnson's grabbing 4. Biz has 5 in his limited numbers. Damian Lee's grabbing nearly 3. Things like that. Uh, they're just really good at everything that you want to see. Points off turnovers, they are 6th. Uh, second chance points to go back to how they never did it. They're tied for 15th now. That was a category where they were always terrible, but now they could be pretty good there. Fast break points, they are 17th, so they're not running quite as much, but pace is defined differently, and that doesn't mean they're playing slow by any means, even the pace numbers and so on. Points in the paint, they are 8th, and then opposing points in the paint allowed, they are also 8th. I think those are two really indicative numbers of how they've started the year defensively. Yeah. What do you think about this Minnesota thing, man? <laughs> I have not admittedly caught a Minnesota game, but it's wonky, I'm sure. They are 3 and 3 to start the year, or 4 and 3, sorry. Remember the Suns schedule when we were like, "Whoa, that's really hard." Yeah. This is what Minnesota had. Oklahoma City, Utah, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, San Antonio, the Lakers, San Antonio. And now the Suns. And now oh, the Suns. No. And then the Bucks. <laughs> so they're four and three right now. Uh, they lost to Utah on OT, and they've lost to San Antonio twice. Uh, is their main narrative Carl Anthony Towns criticizing Anthony Edwards about eating Popeyes, and then Anthony Edwards running stairs after the game after he said that? That's the only storyline I've seen out of there, which isn't great. It's just a lack of. I don't want to say offense, but just a lack of, hey, you guys have three All-NBA players and none of them are being All-NBA players yet, at least statistically. Anthony Edwards is averaging 23 a game, Towns 21 a game. Uh, They're both shooting around 45, 46%. Gobert, the defensive numbers for Minnesota have actually been the worst uh, of the two. They've been better offensively than they have been defensively this year. 
And that's because Gobert, it's going to take a while to like figure out how to work a defense around him. I think people forgot that, and admittedly I did too a bit, but I think you forget how long this is going to take. It's not like it's instantaneous and they're going to be a defensive powerhouse just because he's there. Everyone needs to understand how he defends and how you maximize him as a defender because Quinn Snyder is a really, really good coach and he immediately identified how not only are we going to make the defense built around him, but we're going to do everything we can to accentuate it as much as possible. And they eventually ran into problems and it is what it is, you know, but uh, yeah, there's nothing really standing out too much. Uh, Jalen Noel is having a really nice year for them. There's my, my stock from his UW days holding yeah. strong 13 points per game for him off the bench. I looked at their on off numbers uh, before the San Antonio game um, last night and their bench guys are pretty much leading the way. The town's go bear numbers were good, like net rating of like five to seven or so. Um, but the individual net rating numbers for those two weren't really that great either. So they're still kind of figuring it out. And that is not really a deep team. Like, look, you don't have to convince me and Kevin about Nas Reed and Jordan McLaughlin. Like, we love them. We love them. We love Jalen Noel, too. You're you're wincing your head. No, you love him, Kevin. I'm I do. You, okay. you do. You know you do. But this is just not a deep team. And, and they've got to have that starting lineup be a powerhouse and right now they're just not so keep an eye on that for sure to start that game i don't understand why playing cat at the four is a good idea i just don't i don't get it hey guess who's having a 50 40 90 season right now averaging 31 points per game devin damian lillard oh they forget about our guy dame sometimes kev they really do i'm starting to think that my take like wait is he hurt though he's hurt now He's he is hurt. Yeah. Which is which is a problem. <laughs> I guess they're playing the Phoenix Suns. Because they're a problem. But I, I wanted to mention that because the Blazers are five and one. That's true. And I to the point on the Suns, we're simply a Devin Booker better shot at the end of over at the end of regulation, DeAndre Aiden free throws, Jock Lando put back. Like we're a couple of different things away from them. Being 6-0, the Suns. Uh, the Blazers this year, they're 5-1. and one. They have beaten, of course, the Suns, but also the Kings, Lakers, Nuggets, and Rockets. They lost to the Miami Heat quite emphatically by like 20-plus points. That win, uh, I believe, without without Dame, if I'm looking at this right, with, with when the injury occurred. Uh, win without Dame over Houston, which isn't saying much, but in that game, Anthony Simons had that everyone go on league pass game where I think he scored 12 points in two minutes or something, whatever I saw. He had 30 in that game. Yusuf Nurkic had 27, uh, 15 for Jeremy Graham, 14 for Shaden Sharp in the starting lineup. That's pretty Ooh. interesting that Chauncey elected to start him in Dame's place. So expect the Suns to kind of look at that. But yeah, it just looks Devin like Booker post up first game, first time down the floor. It's a really good call. Yeah, he's going to get a lot of post touches uh, in these two <laughs> games. So it's a Friday, Saturday, back to back at home, little baseball series, but they're just getting enough right now. They got 20 a game from Simons, 15 from Grant, 14 from Nurkic, 11 for Hart and nine for Sharp. And it seems like defensively from what I saw in the Suns game, I haven't seen anything else that they've played. But defensively, it looked like a big improvement over last year. Yeah. Last year, we wa- I watched him defensively and I was like, Is Ch- can Chauncey not be a head coach? I wasn't I wasn't sure about it. It was just one of those defensive nightmares where I was just concerned about. They were playing Brandon Williams late in the year, so. Yeah. A lot of that was... And then the not... second half of the year turned that direction. It, it it did indeed. 
Is Benedict Mathurin going to be the greatest rookie of the year runner-up of all time? Oh, yeah. That was a good pick. I don't... I don't want to do this and have a hot take. No, say it. You're at the worth a 32 minute mark of the podcast, okay, so ever, mostly if everyone's I get gone. Lit up, this is the safe up. space. I I never got Javari Smith. Except stuff. the people who were zoning out for 20 minutes. I know who you are, and you were paying attention to the podcast until now when we brought attention to the fact that you're not paying attention. So say your big thing, Kevin. Go. I didn't get the Javari Smith thing, and I think it made sense why he fell. I didn't get it. Like, you know, what ha- you know what happened last night? He. I don't know. He checked back into the game with five minutes left in the first, and then I was like, oh, Jabari's in, and then I realized that he started the game. Yeah. Uh, He looks like Cam Johnson's hair is tall. There's that. But I was like, oh, he he's not 6'11". He might be, but he didn't look He's like, taller than Cam Johnson, but yeah. he's not like... He's not like Freakazoid, KD, KD, Giannis, Realm. Yeah. And I just don't know what else he does. And he's really struggled this year. Caro is the guy physically where you're like, oh my God. And he's hitting fades over. Yeah. He's like, averaging 23, 8, and 4 as a rookie in shooting. I, 44, I, I was wrong on the draft thing on Bancaro. He looks like he like went into the gym for the first time and doesn't look like a 16 year old like kind of pudgy very good basketball player and he looks like an nba player now but yeah ben's ben matherin's doing great 32 points the other night i believe yeah him and halliburton are going to be great i i i I jokingly but not jokingly kind of put up like is he going to two for one six man and rookie of the year but he'll be starting pretty soon i think but the lakers make those (laughs) what happened this morning Miles Turner went on like openly about pod about like yeah why should the Lakers trade for me what I appreciate being open and like being like I think they should consider trading for me but also I'm in the last year of my contract they should look out for the future and value draft picks it was interesting from that perspective he was like being very like thoughtful about how the Lakers would look at him instead of being like they should definitely trade for me but either way, he's still an Indiana Pacer. Just weird. Just weird. You want to hear something crazy? What? You know what's north of 40% right now? Luka Doncic's usage rating. It oh. is 40.9, Kevin. Oh. He's averaging he's... 37 points per game, to be clear. Great for him, but... I almost picked him for MVP smokes. on this... For this reason, like he's on his way, but also I he's hope your, his body he's your doesn't franchise. Like, what are you doing? I hope his body doesn't just poop out on him. And like Russell Westbrook did this March. kind of thing, but he is one of one. He is a side, and I mean, it's look, at, look at toll. what the toll has been yes. for the last two years on him. I know that people look at him and say he like sucks and he's washed right now, but the physical wear down he took from the amount of possessions he was taking. Monty talks all the time about the dribbles per game thing and how they know that's a thing that leads to guys wearing down. I'm just, I like watching Luka Doncic play basketball. I'm just like, can you guys relax? Like, I'm, I don't want him to be like not able to move when as he's a 31. Basketball fan, it's like Luka, LeBron, Russell Westbrook's even here. Where I'm like, I, I want them to be saved and go to new places so we don't have to like watch. Like still 
well, one dude's playing MVP level. LeBron's probably close to playing an MVP level. Just don't want it to be ruined on like trash teams that I don't know. They're not that exciting. I want exciting. To check in on one more of our picks before we go, you know who's second in the league in scoring? Behind Christian Coloco? No, but okay. that that's turning out great too. Did is he still I was monitoring it for the first couple of games, I but know. I don't know. So Boucher Boucher was out. Cats talk here. Boucher was out, which was why he was playing, I, I believe. Okay, it looks like he has six games played. Let's click on the game logs. Okay, he's still in there. He's still yeah. getting rotation minutes. Stay strong, Christian. You got this. Got in a fight with the Caleb Martin. I yeah, believe. it took him less than five games to be too physical with someone and then being like, what's your problem? <laughs> I don't know man. why. And then Christian just sat there and then he got tackled into the stands <laughs> by a Martin twin. Uh, second in the league in scoring is Giannis. You know who's second in the league in rebounding? Is it Giannis? It is. He's averaging 34 and 14 right now. That's why I picked him for MVP, I guess. Six, so not a bad. Six assists, too. He's uh, he's shooting 61% from the field. Also, and, that's another... And heavens, Kevin, he is shooting 35% from three. He is a physical specimen, they say. So I'm not as worried about him, but they do rely on him a lot. That team is actually not very... Javon Carter is starting for them. But, hey, you know what Mike Budenholzer kept doing? Limiting that guy's minutes because he knows how to take care of the product. (laughs) My goodness. I'm just imploring Jason Kidd to like... Yeah. Or more so their front office. Go get a guard. Holy smokes. Because he'll just, he'll just do that. He doesn't care. No. He'll do it. Save him from himself. Is Jay Crowder going to get traded before the next episode? No. No, he's not. All right, everyone. Until next time. <laughs> we'll see you next week.